Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. It's 1235 in Edmonton. Yes, I know. I know. We discussed it. I'm just looking at it from, uh, the you know, a pragmatic perspective regarding Taylor Hall and the New Jersey Devils. The Devils are probably at least two to three years away. Taylor Hall's got a year left in his deal. Uh, the Devils have tons of cap space. I'm sure Ray Shiro's going to do everything possible to extend them long term. Doesn't necessarily mean it gets done. And uh, Ray Shiro could end up being the bell of the ball at the draft if he decides to make a move there. Let's uh, bring aboard Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Craig, how you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. How are you? Good. You getting ready for? Are you doing the the, the first game tonight? The Leafs Toronto or Leafs Chicago? Yeah, game? Leafs Chicago. Um, you know, I, I heard you talking about what the Oilers are going to need to try to be a playoff push. You, you look at Chicago and the fact that they're even, you know, the same position as Edmonton. Uh, didn't look like they had a hope at all either. So, uh, I, th- I think you're right. It's uh, one of those stretches where you're just going to have to. Understand that you got to win every night, and just yep. uh, as Hitch was saying, you got to think of just tonight and just your opponent, and don't look past that. Now, all right, so it's a long shot. We both agree on that, but oh, yeah. it's not impossible. It could happen. From well, what- I mean, anything can happen. You, you you look at streaks as they go throughout the. Uh, uh, regular season, you know, I always look when I'm doing a game. Uh, I always felt as a as a coach, you look for you, you always tried to win as many three or more wins in a row as you can. That that's how you at least build some ground and get some traction, and you know, get uh, much above a 500 team. And you always look at trying to eliminate three losses in a row. If you can go a whole season without losing three in a row chances are your numbers are going to look good. So, you know, those are sort of the benchmarks. And I go back to February, end of January, beginning of February for the Oilers. And, you know, you could look. We talked a lot during that time. Would they go on a 1-8-2 and two run? And, you know, those are the killer times. Those, those yeah. are the ones you, when you have two or three of those, like the Oilers have had this year, 
that's why you're in the spot that you are. But you never know down the stretch with the guys that you're chasing. You know, look at Arizona, the fact that they've been able to claw their way and hang it. Yeah, it really Unbelievable. is. And so now down the stretch, you, you just got to hope that whether it's Arizona, uh, Minnesota, and look at the teams above you, and if, you know, they can sputter down the, the end of the season, and you're going to have to put – you know, you can probably only uh, lose points in two of the last games of the season. And, you know, you just got to approach it that way and don't look at the whole uh, group of games. Just look at it on a nightly basis and do what you have to do to try to win that game and don't worry about what the uh, other teams are doing in front of you. Well, and you also can't worry about what the other teams are icing. I mean, tonight the Edmonton Oilers are playing New Jersey, who was a surprise playoff team last year. I think we can agree on that. Yep. And Taylor had a great year, uh, MVP, but he's been hurt this year, 37 points in 33 games. They don't have Heischer. Uh, they don't have Miles Wood, who I love. He's big. He can skate. He's tough. You know, Zaka's a third liner for them. Jesper Bratt's a, a legitimate top six forward that can skate. That's five forwards out, and they've traded away because they're out of it, Marcus Johansson and Brian Boyle. So seven of their top nine forwards. Okay, now you got to stop talking right there because you know in the past what what's been the problem. There we go, and that's why you. But that's where I'm going, Craig. That's yeah, right. That's where I'm going. And and that's where you know I, I think part of the uh, uh, I, uh, the growth or development of teams is that you know you don't go through those swings where you play down to your opponent or you have this mindset that. Uh, when you're playing Tampa, I'm going to play scared and, you know, be really afraid to lose. So you play your best and then you, you lay an egg against the team that you have to win. That, that's why I think, you know, listening to Hitchcock's uh, uh, message earlier that you had on is, you know, forget about all that. you, you got to go in and say this game can't even be up for chance. This is the type of game that if you really think that you have a chance, and let's be honest, it's a very distant chance, but, you know, you've got to come out and take control of this game from the drop of the puck. And that, and that's probably the most worrisome thing uh, in this stretch of games at home for the Oilers is that they just consistently haven't been able to do that. And this is a night that you can't allow this team to hang in there. Uh, you got to come out with your best early and make sure you put the foot down and don't, don't leave this one to chance at all. All right, but... Uh, coaching plays a factor in that and what we've seen here of late with Ken when he plays dry settle with uh, McDavid he's getting those guys out there three of the first eight shifts of the game yeah. to set the tone and that plays well, a factor it, it does and you know I having done that game uh, uh, last Saturday you know you really get a sense in the game where you have that, uh, you know, almost delay time where you're almost waiting for the top players or the top two lines to get back. I mean, that's what you're forced with when you don't have the depth of scoring. You don't have a fourth line. Uh, you know, even Winnipeg lost last night, but their fourth line scored a couple big goals that, that keeps them into it. And, you know, that's what you hope to achieve and get to, but that hasn't been the case from the scoring all year for Edmonton. So uh, I think that's, you know, for Hitch, you never want to be playing your top guy 25, 26 minutes when he's a forward all the time. But you're looking at a small sample size here, and, and you're right. You've got to get them into the game. You've got to make sure you maybe pounce on an early matchup that can give you a two- or a three-goal lead. And, and as I said, not, not allow this game to stay close and give the, the Devils a feeling like they're in it and they can win it. Well, and you're working Chicago tonight, and the biggest difference between the two teams right now for me 
uh, is the Chicago Blackhawks of a second line of Dylan Strom, Alex Debrinkit, and Dominic Cahoon. Yep. That is, you know, everybody's like, I mean, they went ahead, and, you know, they, they broke Taze and Kane up, and the team struggled, and now they've got Taze and Kane back together, and even Brandon Sod on the third line. I think he's still playing with Anisimov there. I mean, they're they're deeper than Edmonton is up front. I'd argue the Oilers' defense is probably deeper right now, now that they're healthy. And I'd probably take Koskinen over. I know Crawford's won a cup, but you know he's yeah you know, he's had some challenges. So, but to me, that's one of the differences is Chicago can hit you with three lines that can score, and Edmonton can't do that right now. No, and, you know, you've tried at times, uh, I don't know, did Ken do it for maybe one game where he had uh, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and McDavid yes. on three different lines. So, you know, it just it's no secret that the lack of scoring throughout the lineup has really hindered you from trying to spread things out and trying to get some balance and depth. But, you know, this is one of those games where, you're, when you're playing the, the Toronto Maple Leafs that do have a bit of more balance from the four lines, you know, you have to try to spread your lineup out so that you don't get bad mismatches where this is a game against Jersey that you're really focused on. You don't have a bad negative mismatch that you have to spread your lineup out. So this will be a night where you're right. I think early on you got to jump the fourth line of uh, of the Devils and make sure you get McDavid out there or McDavid and Dry out there to try to take over this game and let's face it if if the Oilers are going to make the playoffs it's going to be because your top guys I said before it's a rarity that you have you know career highs with your top two uh, centermen and Dreisaitl and McDavid and Nugent Hopkins gets his, Nurse is getting his, and yet you're still not even close to being a playoff team. That doesn't happen often. Uh, it's happening with the Chicago Blackhawks in that regard too, as you know, uh, uh, Kane's only, what, eight points away from his career high, Taze is five points away from his, Debrinket's having his, and so, you know, they're kind of the similar case uh, as the Oilers are. You know another reason why it's happening, Craig? Take a look at the league save percentages this year around the league. Yeah. Right? The, the slight adjustment to the goaltender's equipment, it's played a factor. Guys aren't stopping as many pots. That's part of the reason why scoring's gone up. Craig sits- Well, with that, but you also say, okay, that that's a part of it from a league-wide but you've also gone through stretches where you just haven't had goaltending. And uh, both, you know, again, Chicago's very much like Edmonton in that regard. Uh, I think they've had 12 times this year where they've given up six goals. And, uh, you know, you go back with... You go back with the Oilers, and I, I agree with you. Koskinen, uh, he's, he's given up a week one, probably won a game or won every two out of every three games, but he's given you the kind of performance that you can overcome and you can get a chance to be in a game and win a game. And if you could have had that for 20 to 25 uh, previous games earlier in the year that were so close and that were in the balance and a bad goal uh, buried them, you know, let's not kid ourselves. This, this has been a far from perfect year uh, all around for, for Edmonton, but if they had that kind of goaltending throughout the year, I, I think, you know, there's your four, five, six, seven point You're difference right there. that, that puts right you there. in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Craig Simpson joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Craig, I don't know if you heard it. Uh, we were just talking about the situation with New Jersey for a second. Yep, I was listening. All yep. right. So, and, and here's my theory. Look, I, you know I have tremendous respect for the player, and I never want to belittle another organization. But from a pragmatic perspective moving forward, like New Jersey's probably 
you know, people say, well, Edmonton's two or three years away from being any good. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I think the owners can get there quicker than the New Jersey, and the owners have their, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle signed long term. Uh, Taylor Hall's got a year left in his deal. He's going to be no less than a nine and a half to ten million dollar a year player in his next contract. Do you agree or disagree with me that Ray Shiro would be the bell of the ball in Vancouver at the draft if Taylor Hall's name is out there and potentially available? Well, I, I think he, if if you get a sense from the player that he's going to exercise his given right to be an unrestricted free agent. I, I mean, that's where you have to look at as, uh, as a player when you've got one year left coming up and, uh, you know, you survey the the landscape and say, what is this team going to be like? Uh, let's face it, it's not... Jersey's not the greatest atmosphere to play in. It's it's never sort of on that top ring of uh, places to play. And if I'm a player that says, you know, maybe I have a desire where I, in my mind, think I could go, or if I've worked it hard. Taylor's made a lot of money in his uh, young career, and now you say, I've got a chance to be an unrestricted free agent and, and see where to go. I mean, that that's pretty enticing. I, I know the balance for every player, and maybe that changes his mindset with an injury-plague season this year. You know, you always have to think about that as a player. What am I giving up by not getting the, uh, you know, knowing the future by signing a deal, a long-term deal, and being protected. But uh, there is something enticing, don't you think, to be yes. playing into an unrestricted and have your choice and uh, hopefully coming off another good year. Yeah, well, and, and Ray Sherrill said, you know, he there was uh, rumors out there uh, even going into this year's trade deadline, and he, he killed them in terms of the trade deadline. I don't think he specified anything beyond that. So, well, yeah. wait, see, he made a good trade. There's no question. I mean, look, he got a heart trophy out of the guy. That yeah. trade worked out. And, you know, Adam Larson went plus 36 in his first two years in Edmonton. He's having, and it happens sometimes with defensemen, he's having one of those years where pucks are ending up in the net when he's on the ice. He's minus 19 right now. Uh, and speed's always in vogue as well. As was evidenced Saturday when you and Jim Houston were here, Edmonton against Toronto. Craig, the Oilers are 7-2-2 two two in their last 11 games. Their two losses were against the Leafs. Uh, what did you think of Edmonton's performance on Saturday night against Toronto? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those games that uh, the score doesn't necessarily tell the story. I, I thought the, uh, the opportunity to get back into that game was there all game long. You know, it wasn't really... Uh, a game that they were dominated, but they also didn't really feel like they were going to get back into it. And, um, you know, as much as it seems like a harmless little play, that, that Muzzin goal was just a killer. That, yep. that 3 nothing goal, you know, it ends up being more of a killer because they scored the two late goals and, you know, almost tied it up with the Cassian chance right after scoring the two quick ones. So, you know, credit to them that they didn't fall over and die. But those are the games that... Um, you know, are, are just difficult where you just can't quite get anything traction-wise offensively. You, know, you have an opportunity to uh, get something going, uh, you know, on a power play. You, you just need the timely goal, and that, that's the problem, and that's what really stood out with me, Bob, uh, doing that game is the, the dark holes in their lineup. You, you know, you, 
it's almost like, okay, Dreisaitl and uh, McDavid are out there. This is a good matchup. You're either going against Matthews or you're going against Tavares, and there's some good end-to-end action and good chances on both sides. And then it's okay, we've got to wait two more lines and then see what's back again. And, and, you know, it's really evident when you see one team that doesn't have the depth and the other does. And uh, so he, I, I think it was sort of problematic for that entire season the way that game went but it was definitely a game that you know i thought when it was two nothing even all you need is a spark and uh, you've done every game so i know there's been so many times that in past or on good teams it's a spark from a third or a fourth line goal that just ignites the group or it's good back-to-back pressure shifts in the offensive zone by the third and fourth line, and then McDavid or Nugent Hopkins or Settle comes out and scores. And, you know, that, as, as you well know, that's the thing that's been lacking, and that's what good teams have is that balance. Even if the guys aren't scoring, they're changing the game and they're pushing the game towards your, your side, and, and somehow your top players are able to get it. When you look at Edmonton in that game, it was like if Dreisaitl or McDavid wasn't going to do something, you never felt anyone was going to score. We're joined by Craig Simpson. Craig, uh, crazy just was what had to be dealt with yesterday from a Maple Leafs perspective on Morgan Riley, and uh, there's yeah. there's hot uh, hot mics everywhere now. Um, it's a very different uh, time, day and age in the NHL, isn't it, than maybe when you played? Yeah, well, definitely, and I think rightly so. And yeah. you have to be aware of uh, what's going on in our society and how you change it. Sure. I thought the Leafs, as an organization, handled it well. It, it, they were they got out on in front of it. They addressed it, even though it was you know said that he didn't say anything. But they still dealt with it in a really uh, right. important way. And I think. With doing that, it diffused any discussion afterwards. I mean, they didn't need to go to the balance that they did with a, a press conference and having both Dubas and uh, Riley up there. But uh, I think from a mandate from this organization, they've been very you know, forward in, in trying to uh, include everybody. They've been on the top of the hockey is for everyone movement. And, uh, you know, I thought they handled it well. They diffused it. But they didn't just say you didn't say it and leave it. They, they went a step further which even diffuse things more. When you played, not that I'm going to ask you to tell any tales out of school, were the, was there anybody that made you laugh because he didn't have to resort to the usual string of epitaphs, uh, you know? Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't know. No, nobody... Uh comes into my mind but you know the the chirpers on our team were a guy like kevin mcclelland and marty mcsorley and and guys like that that would uh, would do it uh you know tick tried every now and then to, to talk a lot but i think every game every team had a a few guys would get after it i, I just think the you know so much from a awareness standpoint is is changed right. that uh, I, I think it's a good place for hockey and and now you know i've said often it's amazing with technology today you know we even have uh notice in so many games even guys just talking on the bench to each other i'm not not saying that they're saying anything derogatory right they'll be talking on the bench and have their glove in front of their mouth so that you know we can't pick up what they're talking about and it doesn't mean that it's bad it's more you know coaches do it all the time so that you don't know what they're discussing but that to me is what today's players grown up in that environment where everything is forefront and they know now you know I, I do the games where 
if something happens, rarely are we ever going to miss it. And uh, I, I think that's what today's players understand, that even on the ice or even on the bench, you know, nothing that they say uh, could go unnoticed. Uh, the Calgary Flames have twice scored nine goals in a game this year. Yeah. I know people have concerns about their goaltending, but you know what? San Jose's guardians haven't been stopping everything, yeah. everything either. I, well, I, look at, I think Calgary can win the West. You? Look at, look at some of the past winners where, you know, goaltending is always important in playoffs, but, you know, Chicago, look in, in their cup wins. Uh, with the exception of the last one, I thought Crawford was excellent. But, you know, their first two, they kind of made it through. And uh, I, I just think that there's not necessarily a given that uh, uh, you can't be a little bit of a loose team. Uh, I, I think the the key for Calgary is going to be how do they handle those swings in a playoff series when you do get a bad goal. Because I, I can guarantee you they're going to get a couple where the goaltender, whether it's Mike Smith or Riddick, whoever ends up playing there, is going to have a night where you're going to maybe have to score four or five to win, which, as you know, is difficult playoff time. But I think part of that team has that in their DNA. I, I think they understand that they're you know, going to have to probably play a little tighter in the playoffs uh, because that's just inherent the way the game goes. But I also think they're a good team from a momentum standpoint. Last night was a great example of, you know, just start of the third, down by one, at home, disappointed with a, you know, pretty poor game to that point. And they have that ability to just put their foot on the on the gas pedal and not look back. Craig, have fun with your game tonight. I'll be watching because it's on before our game. All right, Bob. Take care. That's Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey on Rogers and Sportsnet. It is uh, Hockey Night in Canada. It's 12.54 in Edmonton. We'll tell you the guests on the show receive gift certificates from Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff Oilers now sent you at Roos Chris. And this fall, you have the opportunity to join Dennis Laliberte. The president of New West Travel on an exclusive visit to Italy and Greece on a spectacular 16-day holiday. It starts with a nine-day tour of Italy, visiting the beautiful cities of Rome, Florence, and Venice with daily guided tours, then board NCL Cruise Lines for a spectacular seven-night Greek island cruise, including nightly meals, entertainment, a private sunset dinner, and the gorgeous Santorini, plus parking at the Valley Park at the Edmonton International Airport. They're 50% sold out, so book now. Call New West Travel or visit newwesttravel.com. We're going to head off to a global news weather traffic update. When we come back, we'll get to NHL today for elite promotional marketing. We'll hear from Luke Phillip. He's the Canada West MVP this year, the leading scorer in uh, Canada West hockey the last two years. He and the number one ranked and defending national champion Alberta Golden Bears are in Lethbridge for the University Cup. They play the Pronghorns in the opening game on Thursday night. And former Southside Athletic Club star, and a guy who played over a thousand games in the NHL, New Jersey Devils analyst Ken Bookham Danico, coming up at 135 as well. The second hour of Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.